are in a series called Home for the Holidays. It's a question, like if you're home for the holidays. Uh, sometimes things go right, sometimes things go wrong. Lisa and I had 12 people over at our house. Her, her college uh, friends came over for a dinner that we've been doing for 31 years straight. It was awesome. This time the cops didn't show up. It was fantastic. Her friends are crazy, but... Uh, and so holidays mean lots of different things to lots of different people, right? Some people, they can't, it's like football season for me. Once it's over, they can't help but just, they're like looking forward to the next year, right? Other people are like, oh no, it's coming up again. It's like a wave. If you've ever been hit by a wave and you can't breathe and you pop up and there's another wave, that's what sometimes the holidays feel like. And so what we've been talking about in this particular series is practical tools to help you thrive during the holiday season. Last week, we talked about the tool of thankfulness, of giving thanks. And we specifically um, uh, were talking about giving thanks to one another, not, not God. I mean, you could look all through the Bible and see it's obvious we give God thanks. We thank him for our salvation. We thank him for creation. We thank him for the fruits of the spirit. We have so much to thank him for. But last week, we specifically talked about thanking each other, thanking your mom, your dad, you know, just being, being a thankful person. This week, we're going to talk about a subject I talk about every year. Uh, there's about four different topics that I bring up every single year. I talk about how to deal with anxiety. I talk about how to deal with fear and outrage, which is uh, one of our uh, culture's uh, number one <laughs> things that we do. We, we consume and we get uh, outraged about things. It's just kind of the way our culture is set up. And I talk about this particular topic because... It's something that needs reminding every single year, and that is the tool of forgiveness. Forgiveness is very, very difficult. And the reason it's difficult is because you're broken and you're wounded. I'm broken and I'm wounded. And the church and families are designed to gather. We're designed, we're created to be in community. And when you take a group of people who are broken and wounded, guess what we're going to do? We're going to break things and we're going to wound things. That's just our nature. Now, a couple of caveats before we get started. What I'm not going to ask you to do is forget what that person has done to you. That's impossible, okay? I'm not saying just forget it. I'm also not going to prioritize it, okay? The worst thing you've gone through is the worst thing you've gone through. So I'm not going to say, well, if you lived in Madagascar or Mozambique, you wouldn't be so upset, right? I'm not going to do that because we've all been wounded and it means something to us. And we're all in different stages. My brokenness might be an insecurity, that you don't have. And so when I say, yeah, they called me this name, you might say, well, just get over it. That's no big deal. Well, you don't know my woundedness and you don't know my brokenness. I'll give you an example. We have a granddaughter and uh, she's very advanced uh, and very, very beautiful and she's wonderful and uh, way better than your grandkids. And so uh, 
And so, but what happens sometimes with her is uh, when she wants something, she'll flop on the ground and, and cry, right? If she doesn't get her milk or, or, or what have you, right? And so um, imagine if I sat there while she's flopping on the ground and I said, well, you know what? You should go on the internet and look, some people have it a lot worse than you do, right? She doesn't care. This is the worst thing she's ever experienced in her life, okay? She will do this. They went on a trip to Hawaii. She's in Hawaii for crying out loud, and she's flopped down on the ground. Why? Because it's the worst thing she's ever gone through. So I am not going to say to you, just get over it, or let me introduce you to somebody. Because here's just the reality of me as a pastor, it's, it's called grief uh, transference, and pastors get it, and uh, counselors get it, and you might get it as the leader of your family. It's that when there's grief happening to someone across from you, and they're telling your story, you, you feel that. So there have been times, I'm just being honest, I'm just going to be completely honest with you, where I've been in my office counseling with someone, and I wanted to kill your boss, Right? Because you're telling me the story, and I'm like, if I get my hands on him, right? Because I, I, I feel it, right? And so it would be easy for me when I'm listening to your story to say, oh, let me tell you about a doozy I heard last week that puts yours to shame. That is not what I'm going to be doing this morning. This morning, what I'm hoping to do is to open your eyes to another way. Another way to get through difficult things. Now, during the holidays, we have lots of different gatherings that bring up lots of different, what we would call triggers or emotions or what have you. If you're from a family, a blended family that has, you know, maybe you go to your mom's house who's on her second marriage or maybe third marriage. So now you've got two of those and then your dad He's married again, or maybe he's single, or whatever, and you start doing these things, and it's bringing back all these emotions of when you were a kid, all these emotions about that. Maybe my son called me, and he said, hey, Dad, they're having a, um, a company party, a company Christmas party, and then I just said, well, someone's going to get fired, <laughs> because that's just, once you add alcohol to a company party, that's Somebody gets fired, right? Somebody can't, can't, can't handle it, right? And so he, he, he's laughing. But maybe, maybe at that party, you're triggered, you're reminded of something that had happened in your past or even happened at that company, or you're reminded that your boss is like giving this great speech and that was supposed to be you. He took your job. Or maybe during Christmas, you're there and you don't have a job because of something unfair, because of mismanagement or whatever. So I just want you to know that whatever you're dealing with, no matter how big or how small it is, it's validated, it's seen, and it's real. Okay, I'm not telling you just get over it. But I will say this. In the kingdom of heaven, God has given us a tool. A tool that is a, like a cheat code or a a way to get around it, and it's, it's called forgiveness. And so we're going to look at some different things in the Bible. We're going to look at Colossians. Then we're going to look at 
um, uh, a parable that Jesus tells that's very, very famous. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you've heard this parable. Parable, And then we're going to look at another section of scriptures in Romans. And then I'll get you guys out of here. So here's the command from the Bible. Just from the jump. We don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but here it is. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. This is a command in the Bible. It doesn't give any caveats. It doesn't give any, oh, unless, <laughs> unless that spouse cheated on you. Then you don't have to. There's no room here, right? And one of the issues we get into, uh, that I get into as a pastor, as I'm counseling or just basically coaching or just sitting with someone, is this statement, well, John, if you heard my story, you'd understand why I'm so upset, <laughs> right? As though there's a story out there that doesn't fit into this mold. I'm here to tell you there is no story that doesn't fit into this mold. You say, John, my entire childhood was stolen from me. My innocence was stolen from me. Unfortunately, it still fits in this section of scripture. Here's why I know that. Because we put these little numbers on the, on the verses. These came later. But Paul didn't write this and go, Verse 14, okay? We did that. Watch what he says right after this. And this is the reason why I know nobody's off the hook, no matter how bad your story is. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You say, John, I found the loophole. <laughs> Trust me. I find loopholes for a living. That's what I do, okay? There is no loophole. But here's what the loophole you might have found. They haven't asked for forgiveness yet. Bam! I don't have to forgive them because they haven't asked for forgiveness yet. And the Lord, I asked for forgiveness and the Lord forgave me. So when they ask for forgiveness, I'll forgive them. Ah! That's not what forgiveness is. That's not what forgiveness is. Let me tell you what happens. You have two options. In any time someone has wounded you, hurt you, stolen from you, uh, cut in line in front of you for a career, left you, right? You have two options. The first is this. You demand payment. You demand payment. The problem is, how much do they pay? How much is your childhood worth? How, how much is, is the betrayal worth? How do you put something on this? If a spouse has been unfaithful, how do you faithful that enough to pay for the debt of unfaithfulness? If you uh, squandered away your life savings because of an addiction or your spouse did or something happened, how do you pay that. I was talking to a gentleman last night and he and his buddy were drunk and uh, they left a party and he went one way and his buddy went the other way and his buddy went the wrong way on an uh, on-ramp and killed a couple. Okay. This was like 40 years ago and that dude is still in jail. 
and you think, yeah, for the rest of his life, that'll do it. That'll do it. That won't do it. That couple's gone. They're never coming back. You cannot repay that. So you can, you can demand payment. And I've seen couples, when there's been an infidelity or whatever, they demand payment every single day. And guess what? You can't pay. You have another option, though. And this is the option of freedom. You cancel the debt. You cancel the debt. I know that's hard. I know that sounds impossible. I know you're saying, John, 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 if you heard my story, you'd know I can't cancel the debt. The problem is we forgive as the Lord forgave us. We have a debt to the Lord we cannot pay. We don't even realize the gravity of our sin half the time. We think there's little sins and big sins and this sin and that sin. And oh, never do that sin, but you can do this sin. God's economy doesn't even, isn't even close to that. He cancels the debt. He did it on the cross. He paid the price. And he requires us to do the same, as painful as it is. Why? Well, we're going to look at a section of scripture, but I want you to see something that I've mentioned here just last year, this exact point. And I mentioned it the year before, and I went back through my sermons, and I had made the exact same point the year before. Why? Because this stuff is hard. It's really hard. When my brokenness combines with your woundedness, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. Or you can swap these. When my woundedness combines with your brokenness, these are interchangeable, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. Here's an example. Uh, I have a mug that I got from Korea. Lisa and I went to Korea to see my daughter. She lives, she lives out there. I know you love Korea, Chow. And so uh, I, we, we went to Korea, and uh, I like mugs. Mugs are, like, really sentimental to me. I have a mug right down there. Don't put coffee in the sanctuary. Only the pastor is allowed to bring coffee in the sanctuary. It's new carpet. So I go there, and I want a mug to remind me of the two weeks where <laughs> bro just grabs his coffee. I'm just playing. Okay, so, so uh, I, get, I get this mug. This mug means everything to me. And so two weeks ago, all of our toilets in the church backed up, all of them. Okay, here's another thing. Don't spill coffee on the carpet, and don't flush anything down the toilet except for toilet paper. Okay. <sighs> anyway. So I'm rushing around. I'm like, really? Every toilet's backed up? So I'm rushing around, whatever. I put my mug down. I can't find my mug, okay? Now let's say you stole my mug. This is such a bad example, but let's just say you stole my mug, right? You didn't know, right? And uh, you're like, cool, sweet mug from Korea. It says Seoul. I love it. This is great. It's international. It makes me feel important. Okay, good. And you take it. And on the way to your car, you drop my mug and you shatter it, right? And then I tell this story and you're like, oh, no. I broke his mug. That was a special mug. I'm going to get him another mug. I'm going to get another mug. And you buy me another mug. And it's a bigger mug. And it's a nicer mug, more expensive. It's made of gold. And you give it to me. And I go, this doesn't pay the price. I brought that mug back from another country with my bare hands. I packed it perfectly. I did everything perfect. I was with my daughter right? 
Because my brokenness, can you, that, my brokenness, right, is the, is the thing that gave that value. Because it's like, bro, get over it. It's just a mug, right? And so, so it's like, how do you put a value on that? Well, John's just really weird about mugs. I know, but it's a debt you can't repay. You see what I'm saying? Now imagine if you do that with somebody talking about your weight or talking about an insecurity or a mother-in-law or mother or dad or father-in-law that says, I thought you would have amounted to more than that. And you're like, oh, why would they say that to me? Now, I might have a mother-in-law who says, I, didn't, I wish you had amounted to more. And I just go, I wish you amounted to more. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Because that you didn't hit my brokenness or my woundedness. So for me, I don't care, whatever, say whatever you want. But for you, that might be deeply wounding, okay? So let's look at what Jesus says, because that's the most important thing we want to do this morning. Give you some background. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is basically the world we're living in right now, infused with the Holy Spirit. So it's relationships we have, that we would normally have, but then you add the Holy Spirit and, you're, and, you're, and, and that's the kingdom of God. I used to have hand motions. For those of you living Springers who've been here for a long, long time, I used to say the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. I used to say it all the time. Here's the problem. It's bad theology. It's really like the kingdom of heaven, but you can't go walking around doing that, right? It's when it's all infused together. Jesus said it this way, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's all mixed up. That's the kingdom. So that's what he's talking about. The second thing is he wants us to be free. Jesus wants us to be free. When Jesus gives you a command, it is not to bind you up. Jesus said, I have come to give you life, that you would have life. It's more abundant, the abundant life. He says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? He wants to give you freedom, okay? And the last thing, before we get to the thing, forgiveness, not justice, is the pathway to freedom. It's not justice. They can't pay you back for what they took from you, which was real. The pain you're feeling is real, but they can't pay back. And so forgiveness, if you want to be free, forgiveness, not justice. Now, you say, John, what about justice, though? Yes, pursue justice. Pursue mercy. We, when we talk about diversity or inclusion or equity, or these justice issues, those aren't political issues. Those are, those are real things that God wants. He wants us to be uh, uh, equitable. He wants us to be inclusive. He wants us to have different voices come to the table, and we fight for those things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you either demand payment or you cancel the debt. Those are your two options. So here's what happens. Peter comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? That was culturally about right for them, okay? About seven times. They had all sorts of laws. I don't want to get into it all, but basically through the Torah and then the pharisaical law, seven times you would forgive somebody. And so Peter was just, he wasn't trying to be one way or the other. He just, is that the thing? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 
The way the Greek is with this particular set of words, uh, it could be 77 times. I put the lower amount. Or it could be 70 times 7, which would be uh, 490. I'm just kidding. I knew that. Okay. Right? So, but I did the lower one because the point Jesus is trying to make, it never ends. <laughs> Are you really going to count up to 77 and go like 76? Oh, I can't wait. Once I get to my 77, I go, oh. No, that's bondage. That's bondage. So he just launches into this thing. He says, therefore, like, there, like what are you talking about, therefore? I, he, he just answered a question 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, in other words, the way you try to assess forgiveness is nothing like the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like, okay, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants and he began, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 bags of gold, I, I don't, it's just millions and millions and millions of dollars. One time when I was preaching on this, we, we had a gentleman here, my friend Mark Weld, who's super, super smart and like an accountant and uh, I told him how much I did the uh, like how much it was, and he sent me an email and said, "Well, actually, it was really only uh, you know 10 billion." I'm like, "Oh man!" So I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but you can't pay it back, okay? 10,000 bags of gold. Just imagine, okay? What Jesus is trying to say is, you can't count it, right? It's like cryptocurrency. I don't. Know. Since, well, that you can count, unfortunately, now. Since he was not able to pay, that's the point Jesus is trying to make. He's not able to pay. He'll never be able to pay. Ever, 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 ever. It's too much. You can't assess a value to it. The master ordered that he and his wife, right? So now the wife's like, bro, <laughs> really? And his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Okay, which wouldn't repay the debt. Okay, remember when my brokenness combines with your woundedness, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. The person you're upset with cannot pay you back, unfortunately. At this, a servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, right? I see this a lot in relationships. I'll make it up to you. You can't. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. I'll make up for that. Maybe, you, maybe it's a, a spouse or a, a parent that left the family and is trying to buy back the kids. Oh, at Christmas time, I, I get, oh, man, I want to make, I'll make it up to you. You cannot make up taking away their childhood, having two parents together. You can't make it up, okay? As much as we try. I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt. You can collect the debt or you can cancel the debt. He cancels the debt and let him go. Everybody's thinking to themselves, wow, if I got that. You think about that for those of you who own a house that are still paying it off, okay? And your bank calls up and says, we have taken pity upon you. <laughs> like, Wow. Thank you, Bank of America. Like, we have taken pity on you, and we are now canceling the debt you owe on your house. 
Can you imagine how happy you'd be? This is what Jesus is trying to get. Maybe you've run up some credit card bills, right? You thought you were going to get that job, so you bought some nice clothes, or you bought some shoes, or whatever, or you went on a nice vacation, and you're like, I'll pay it, I'll pay it, and that just keeps going up and up and up and up, right? And all of a sudden, Visa calls. Congratulations, we've taken pity upon you. Right? Imagine how you'd feel. That feels so good. Well, that's what Jesus wants you to feel in this story. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. Okay, This could be paid back, actually. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, Jesus wants you to feel the way you're feeling right now. Like, are you out of your mind? Why, why, would, why, why would he do that? He was just forgiven all that debt. His fellow servant fell to his knees and said the exact same thing that he had said to the king, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until, the debt, uh, until he could pay the debt. Now remember, this is a fake story. It's what we call in the Bible a parable. It's a story that Jesus uses. Remember what the, the very first thing was? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, if you want to be free, this is a story that you can kind of put yourself into and figure out where do I stand? Who am I? Am I the king? Am I this? Am I that? When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, right? They were Americans and went and told their master everything that had happened. <laughs> then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours. Because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had had on you. Now listen. In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which he can never, ever, ever, ever pay back. This is the point Jesus is trying to make. When we choose not to forgive, we torture ourselves. We enslave ourselves. We chain ourselves. We walk through life just going, well, when they make it right, then I'll feel better. They'll never make it right. They cannot pay. And so when we choose not to cancel the debt, we choose to just mull it over in our minds. And they just have, not only do they have the power of the offense, they have the power of control over you even after the offense. Because every day you're going on Facebook and going, are you kidding me? They got a raise? Those people, those evil people, he's dating who? <laughs> it's torture. And just hear me out. God can't save you from you torturing you. You say, God, just release me from these chains of unforgiveness. He's like, I, the key is literally right in front. I threw a key in. There it is. You pick it up. You're like, if I pick it up, then they're never going to pay. They can't pay. 
they can't pay. As horrible as what they did to you is, for what they stole from you, how they wounded you, what they said about you behind your back, all that you did for them, all that you did for them, and they betrayed you, they can't pay. And yet God says, I've got the key. If you cancel that debt, you are free to go. You're free to go. This is how your heavenly father will treat each of you. It's not that he's going to lock you up. Oh, you didn't forgive? You're going to hell. I'm not going to forgive you then. That's not what this parable means. What it means is, do you want to operate under the kingdom of the earth, which is an eye for an eye? Oh, okay. Well, here you go. Operate in it. It's torture. It's torture. And we know it's torture. If you don't forgive your brother or sister from the heart. So let me give you three quick things that we can do that help me. Again, these are, I, I talked about these just last year. They're very, very helpful. Um, there's more tools you can use, but these are the ones that will just give you a lifeline. Because here's what's going to happen. Because I, I, I just know us as humans. We leave a sermon like this and we go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm going to do it. Oh, I already feel kind of free. Oh, that's okay. All right. And then your phone, you get a text. I swear, I will kill. I will. I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do, right? So it's just like, that's the way it goes. That's it's a human nature. And then everything about the sermon, you're like, John's stupid. I want to find another church. I don't like the Bible. I don't even know, right? So you go through all this stuff. Here's some three things I do that have helped me immensely in this, in my own brokenness and woundedness. One, we pray, Lord, help me love them like you love them. Now, we know for a fact God wants us to love everybody. That's if you're like over in the children's ministry, that's probably what they're talking about. Love other people, you know, right? And love Jesus. Those are the two big ones, right? So we know this. But we need help from our Heavenly Father. Lord, help me love them like you love them. I mean, like really love them. It's hard. It just takes, you just keep doing it, right? That's why these are easy because they're supposed to be repeated, Daily, sometimes many times a day. This one's huge. Lord, let me see them as you see them. Ooh. Do you know the Lord views your boss much differently than you do? The the Lord views your boss like probably like a six-year-old kid. Just going, hey, look, we got so much to work through. Like, you're just damaged. I go, oh, the reason you're doing that is because of your insecurity. Whereas we look and we're like, they're so arrogant. They're not arrogant, they're insecure. Lord, help me see them like you see them. Help me see their brokenness. Help me see their woundedness. Help me love them like you love them. Help me see them like you see them. And then, ooh, it's a tough one. Bless them. Bless them. You're like, two out of three ain't bad. I'll do two out of three. Lord, bless them. Now, the reason I say bless them is because we think, oh, great. They're gonna, I'm going to get fired, and then they're going to win the lottery. Winning the lottery is not a blessing in the kingdom of God. Okay, it's a curse, right? Bless them means that they would become more like Christ. They would live a life that becomes more like Jesus. That is the blessed life. 
My life is blessed when I'm most like Jesus, not when I get stuff or stuff, bad stuff doesn't happen to me. There's partly that, but mostly it's that I would be more like Jesus. Help me to love him like you love him. Help me to see him like you see him and bless him. Let me end with this as the worship band comes back up. Romans 12, 18. This is so brutal, this scripture. That's why I'm ending with it so you don't get mad at me. If it is possible, as far as it depends on, say, me. No, 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 no. Out loud. Ready? If it is possible, as far as it depends on me, be at peace with everyone. Everyone? I looked it up in the Greek. Tried to find a loophole. Couldn't find one. It's everyone. It's everyone. That's what it is. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. You're like, hot diggity. Yeah. Do I get to see it? Is it going to get posted online? Do I get to see what happens to them? No, you don't. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. The Lord knows. The Lord knows what they did. The Lord knows all of that, says the Lord. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty or she, okay, he's honest, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Hot diggity, I knew it was coming. We don't have time to get into all this means, okay? But it doesn't mean that, that they're going to get hit by a truck, okay? Listen. Do not be overcome by evil. Don't put those chains on. Don't lock yourself in the prison cell with the key right there going, they're going to pay, they're going to pay, they're going to pay. They can't. But overcome evil with good. We're going to take a little bit of time right now to pray and uh, spend some time in reflection. And maybe you have somebody in your life even when I said the first time, when very beginning of the sermon, I said it's on forgiveness, you went, oh, because somebody popped in your mind. You went, I thought I was over that, but now I, it's bringing, coming back up again. Lord, help me to love him. Help me to see him as you see him. Bless him. Right? Maybe that's what you do. We have pillows here if you want to kneel down or we just... We just open up this altar. Some people just like to come forward as this act of, of just submission, an act of just going, you know what? I'm going to get up out of this seat and I'm going to intentionally walk forward and pray, put it at the altar, leave it there. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you take your ex and you leave her at the altar or you leave them at the altar right here and go, you know what? I'm done with this stuff, right? Maybe it's your boss, okay? Probably shouldn't have said X. Maybe there's something that's really, what you went through was ridiculously harsh and unfair. And you want someone to pray for you. We have people at the cross who just do that. They just pray for you. Nothing magical or anything like that, but sometimes it takes that. The Word of God says we're two or three are gathered. There I am in your midst. Ask whatever you want. So maybe you just go, ah, ah. I just want to be able to pray those three things. That's all I want. That's very hard. Maybe you do that. 
And then I'll come back up after we sing a song and do all that and bless you guys. We can go. Lord Jesus, we don't know how you do it. I don't know how, how you are on the cross with nail-pierced hands and feet. Innocent. Innocent. Didn't do anything but heal people and have compassion and want to usher in the kingdom and want to bring shalom. And out of your mouth you say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lord, help us to be like you. Help us to release ourselves from the prison of revenge, the prison of having to be paid back. Help us be cancelers of debt. In Jesus' name. We go ahead and stand for the blessing. Hey, keep uh, Jordan, our drummer, in your prayers. He's sick today. That's why we didn't have a drummer. But one of the things I appreciate about our church is you guys just roll with it. I love that. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you go in His strength, in His peace, in His love, and in His forgiveness. Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.